You're listening to Gordon Clark on Hospital Radio Medway. Hello and welcome along to Chatterbox. And in this session, I have Adrian Lass from Hospital Radio Medway, who's going to tell us about his experience up there and the details up there. So without further ado, let's see if he's there. And yes, he is. I can see him there on my screen. Hello, Adrian. I'm here, Gordon. Hello. It's lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me. That's okay. I can remember the last interview I did with you was probably when you joined. I can barely even remember that now. It was so long ago. Several years ago. Can you remember when it was? I remember really clearly when I joined Hospital Radio Medway because I'd been badgering my dad to bring me down to the studio for quite a long time. And uh, it just happened that my brother was in hospital. Nothing serious, just a routine thing. And, um, and I went down to see my brother. And while I was there, I said to my dad, can we, can we go down? Can we go down to the hospital radio? Because I was a bit of a radio geek, to be honest. I'd, I've always been into radio. Having badgered people like Radio Kent and Invicta Radio and all that to go and have a look around their studios, which I'd also done, he took me down while we were visiting my brother. And there was a guy called John Crocker yeah, who was presenting the Tuesday Request Show at the time. And, you know, I had a look around. I was very impressed. And luckily from there, he was looking for somebody to come and help on the Tuesday night. I can't remember if you were, were you doing Tuesdays at that time? I think I was probably doing Sundays at that time. Okay. So John said, if you want to come down again next week, then come down. And I was 14 at that time. That was in August, 1987. Quite some time ago now. Yeah. And um, it sort of all started from there, really. How have you found hospital radio in in general what has it done for you has it helped you in your work life and in life in general do you know what it really has and the fundamental principle of hospital radio hopefully remains the same even though the technology is obviously completely different and has evolved moved on over the years but the principle is the same which is that we're here to entertain and inform patients in hospital the staff the guests anybody that's using the medway maritime hospital and other hospital radio stations around the country do the same thing. That's what I'm most interested in, and that's why I do it. And of course, everything that comes with that, which is playing the music, thinking about things to talk about, what's of interest to the listeners and the audience. But it certainly helped me over the years, not only from kind of engaging, connecting with people that are around the hospital, and even in the last couple of years when I've been doing the late show, like you're doing here, talking to guests people that have got interesting jobs in Medway Hospital has been really good. I've really enjoyed that. But outside of sort of hospital radio, what's been really interesting is it's really helped me in my kind of jobs and my work. I work in marketing and what we often have to do is present to boards and to groups of people and whatever and stand up in front of big groups, hundreds of people and Because I did the hospital radio from an early age and then some other radio bits as well, it really gets you into that way of talking in quite a relaxed and informal way. So to try and engage an audience outside, we're not talking about radio now, we're talking about people in their jobs, but to, to engage people is not an easy thing. A lot of people don't like it. I always get nervous, whether I'm doing the radio or the kind of presentation thing. You know, I care about what I do. 
And I, I say the same thing to people at work. Over the years, a lot of people have said to me, yeah, oh, I don't, I don't like presenting. I really don't like presenting to audiences. And nobody does, uh, or very few people do. And I always sort of say to them, look, you've just got to relax. And you've just got to kind of find ways of really keeping their interest. So that's where it's really helped me over the years. Funny you're saying about presenting. Years ago, I used to be in uh, an organisation called The 18 Plus, which is a, a group for people 18 to 30. How many years ago was that? Oh, that was back in, oh, let me think, early 70s it must have been. I was chairman of the local group, and I was also on the area committee as a publicity officer at the time. I remember my first national conference I went to, and our area chairman was standing for the national chairman. So, of course, I was doing the publicity campaign. I'd you know, come out with a speech and rehearsed all what I was going to do and thought, yeah, this is no problem. I know what I'm doing. And it was in the Brighton Conference Centre. And I don't know if you've been down there, but it holds a fair few people. I have been there, and that is a big venue. Yeah, I, I stepped up to the podium and got my notes out yeah, and thought, here we go. And I looked up and thought, blimey, this just, well, I'd say thousands, certainly hundreds. In fact, it could, it probably was over a thousand, but all just staring at me, you know, waiting for me to say something. And I always remember something from public speaking that said, in that sort of situation, see if there's something at the back of the hall you can focus on. And there was a clock, big clock there. And I just focused on that and started speaking. But for a minute, it was, well, it seemed like a minute. It was, perhaps it was only seconds, but I just froze. Because there's all these people just waiting on me see, to say something. So things like hospital radio, I think, do help in, in those circumstances. Definitely. Of course, when you started all those years ago it was finals then wasn't it and cds were yeah cds were about then cds were were just coming in i in fact i can remember a jingle that sung um something like this is this is on cd and and that's that sounds really odd now but it's interesting isn't it um you know when you started as well at hospital radio we were we were literally playing vinyl and you know, a lot of people watching and listening to this will never have sat and tried to queue up a record, a piece of vinyl on a radio studio turntable. And that's an art in itself. And so many people just can't get, couldn't get that art right. You know, you'd, ha you'd often hear it on the wrong speed or, you know, you have to leave a little bit of a gap for the, for the turntable to start going. And often it was, like, yeah. like, you know, so there's lots of mistakes you can make. But um, I don't know about you, but it's quite interesting how, vinyl has returned <laughs> we thought it had gone and now it's yeah it, well i think over the years it's made sort of several returns if you like i know in the disco side of it vinyl singles they came out and it yeah that was more or less after vinyls had supposedly stopped um but of course they were great for people mixing music at that time also thinking back as well, you mentioned jingles. 
Of course, they were on the old cart machines. Yeah, and look, again, people that, uh, that don't work in radio they probably won't have uh, a clue what we're talking about, but, um, but, but we can reminisce, Gordon. Yeah, well, they'll probably remember it from um, the old uh, 8-track days. Well, you know, those, those older people won't remember 8-tracks. Well, I'm too young to remember that. <laughs> and it was the thing to have an 8-track in your car. <laughs> it, was it really? Yeah. <laughs> Back in the day. <laughs> It's funny, really, because over the years, you know, I, I, as I sort of said at the start of the conversation, the reason the, the, where it all started for me in kind of interest in radio was when my parents used to listen to Radio One a lot. So we'd, we'd often have kind of uh, Tony Blackburn or Mike Reed. Or, yeah. And uh, I can remember about the age of eight, very, very, very vague. Um, I used to have a Meccano set, which is, again, a bit of a kind of old, old school toy to a certain extent i made a microphone stand out of meccano that was literally my first kind of entry into the world of radio just so, i was so interested in anything to do with it and jingles for some reason they just i just felt i was just intrigued by them so when of course i came down to the hospital radio medway for the first time i kind of knew what i was looking at because i'd sort of seen pictures of videos and stuff wow this this is interesting isn't it so there's Basically, for those that don't know, a cartridge, back in the day, you can still get them, is um, a plastic box, which has got a little bit of tape inside. And on that tape is the thing that you hear that sings, you know, hospital radio, medway or whatever. And um, it's got a little tone on it, uh, a high-pitched tone, so that when it gets to the end, it recues itself. So that next time you want to play it, it basically starts the, starts the thing again from, from the beginning. Uh, however, what used to happen was that people used to annoy each other by just pressing stop at the end. So that if you uh, if you think you know you're doing the perfect link into the news, for example, and you're like, okay, coming up next, we've got a request for Barbara who's on C1, and then you, that's after the news, and you press the button, and someone hasn't queued it properly, and you've got it. Yeah, that quite a few times. I was always quite interested in the jingles, and then the, I think the year after I started, when I was 15, my mum. She knew that I used to like listen to Pat Marsh, yeah. uh, the radio presenter. So she wrote to Pat to see if for a birthday present, I could go to some pier, which is where their studios were, and sit in on his Saturday breakfast show. And he said yes, which was just amazing. I mean, that was such a great birthday present. And I sat there and not, literally, I mean, if we, we thought we had a few cartridges. I mean, literally, that man had the best part of 50, 50 cartridges all stacked up in this this little stack so it's um yeah it's I, i'm getting really anoraki now but um i can remember the cartridges down at radio ken <laughs> and having to move them from studio to studio but it's um it's interesting you know that's another thing where technology's taken over of course because we don't have those now we don't need to yeah it's just a file which is sits on a computer and again you know you've got a computer system and a playout system that you can just load stuff in. we're spoiled these days aren't we Talking about jingles, of course, you're really the the voice of HRM. I know. How lucky is that? That is a very fortunate thing to have been asked in the first place and to uh, and just to still be doing it after all these years. I think you said when you first joined, you were helping John Crocker out. That was probably as a studio assistant, was it a program assistant? 
Yeah, so that's where I started, really. It was as a program assistant uh, on a Tuesday night, getting the records out, making John a cup of coffee. Uh, I seem to remember he was a very talkative man. And not only did he, he was a good presenter, actually, I seem to remember. And as soon as the mic went down, he just carried on with the story he'd been telling. Literally, I think he pretty much went for two hours nonstop uh, talking, which was uh, very interesting for quite a shy boy at 14. John was one of my favourites at the time as well. John and I got on very well. He was a good, good chap. And we've had some characters, of course, down at Hospital Radio over the years. The other thing I think that people from Hospital Radio have gone on into um, other radio, uh, you know, whether BBC or commercial radio, and do things with those as well. So it's good training ground as well, really, isn't it? It's a really good training ground, and that's another good thing about joining Hospital Radio. And if people are listening that are interested in volunteering, then I think both of us and all of us would urge them to come and give it a try down at Hospital Radio. You don't have to present. You can go and collect requests. You can get records. Uh, and yes, we do still need people to get records out. You're totally right what you say. It is a good training ground for those that do want to go into radio. And that is, was exactly the reason why I started in the first place, because I was a radio day. It's a really good training ground because what it teaches you is all the things that, not, not just the technology and how to use a mixer and how to kind of cue records up and that sort of thing. But the, the really important bit is, the, is being able to talk on the radio and to be entertaining. And make people, you know, make people want to listen. To, hopefully, people want to listen to you. And that is that is a hard thing. Anybody should be able to speak on the radio, but it's another skill entirely to keep an audience engaged and entertained and liking what they're hearing. It's so multi-layered. And the thing I found was that people often say to me, if I if they find out on radio or doing radio, well, what do you talk about? How do you know what to talk about? And you just do because you've just got into this rhythm, got this experience of where you sort of think of think of things that you can say. And when things go wrong as well, you need to be able to fill airtime and be able to think on your feet. So there's lots of radio skills in radio presenting, but there's also lots of skills that you can sort of use outside of that as well. Yeah, one of the things, of course, people always relate us to DJs doing discos, but it's totally different, isn't it? I mean, when you're doing a disco, you've got an audience that you can react to and get feedback straight away. On the radio, you've still got an audience, but can't see them, and there's no reaction from them that you can then react to as well. So it, it does take a skill on that side of it. It does. And I know you DJed as well back in the day, and it really is a different set of skills. And I've done a bit of DJing, but not a huge amount. And it is a different skill and it's great skill, you know, being able to stand up and play records that people want to dance to. And again, that you can kind of react to the audience is great. You're right. It is different to radio where you're kind of entertaining people, but in a completely different way. And often as a radio presenter, you're sat in a room like the room I'm in here is where I do all of the, the HRM FM shows that I do. And I'm just in a room on my own. The way I do it is I always visualize that there's somebody or some bodies that I'm talking to. That's, that's the easiest way. If it's a recorded show, obviously you're even more constrained because unless it's going out on a particular day and date, 
you end up having to try and find generic things to talk about, which is not that easy from time to time. But if it's a live show, then, you know, clearly people can phone in and can text in or WhatsApp or any of the technology that we've got now. I'll tell you a story. At one point, I was working on KMFM doing kind of weekend stuff. And quizzes and competitions always got people ringing in. You know, you'd only need to say, well, I've got tickets or whatever, and the, the whole switchboard would light up. But this particular time, I just happened to do it. I was reading something out. I can so vividly remember it. I was reading something out about cotton wool. And I did, it was just a throwaway comment as I got into the next track. And I said, well, why is cotton wool? Is it cotton or is it wool? And, and press a button went into the track. Literally the whole switchboard lit up. In a way that I'd never seen it before. There were all sorts of people from around the local area basically phoning, oh, yeah, it's cotton. It's not cotton. Yeah, it's not wool. It's cotton. There were a number of people that were saying, oh, it's wool. That's a really good example where you can say something and actually the audience does, does have a reaction. As well as the jingles we mentioned, you present shows. Is it just a late night show you do now or do you do other ones as well now? So I mostly do the late night show. A lot of people over the years have called me Last, because uh, my surname's Last. So I just had this idea, let's just call it Lasty and Late Show. That's the main one that goes out 10 till midnight every night. And then I also do Sunday Lunch, which is just a lunch kind of music thing, which is 1 till 2 on Sundays. And I mostly did that because my daughters were doing Dolphin Beats, which was the show for the kids and, and uh, staff on Dolphin Ward. Well, the reason I started Sunday lunch was because we used to sit in the studio and we'd have this kind of uh, show mostly aimed at kids and teenagers. And then we'd go, go into, um, I can't remember her name now, but I think her name was Jan and she used to do like a show. It was such a jolt from Harry Styles and uh, Taylor Swift and all that, like, straight into, hello and welcome to folk. But I said to, the, uh, to Alan, who runs the programs here, how about I do a show which is a bit more of a kind of transition into the rest of the afternoon. You mentioned your daughters there. You've coached them into doing their award-winning shows. That's very important, coaching. Um, it's, uh, it was uh, certainly a lot of badgering and uh, pushing. You know what it's like with your children. You know, they often pick up on, or sometimes they don't pick up on your interests, but on this particular one they did. And I'd taken them down a few times as they were growing up, you know, as little kids, just for something to do come down and we can have a little play in the studio and whatever. I said to them, how do you feel about doing a show? And they were like, oh yeah, okay, we'll give it a go. But it's just such a nice thing to do as a, as a dad because they grow up so fast and having something to do together as a shared experience is great. Really what I wanted them to do was to do the show themselves. And that was how we set it up. So I very rarely appeared on, on air apart from thing that they they liked to do here at home which was dad's intro quiz we used to just muck about at dinner time and they came up with the idea why don't we do an intro quiz and you can answer questions but that's the only time i ever used to appear on on air um other than that i did kind of you know producing them in the background and helping them to structure what they were going to say but um but yeah it was it was a it was a great time we were talking earlier and you were saying how hospital radio had benefited yourself and with that in mind, why do you think people should volunteer for a hospital radio medway? I think there's three reasons why people should join hospital radio medway. Um, number one is it's all about the audience. And we're here to entertain and 
inform everybody that's here in the hospital. And that goes from inpatients, outpatients, guests, visitors, staff who are very supportive of us, of course. So that's the principal reason for joining, is it? You can be part of this amazing operation at, at, uh, at the Medway Maritime Hospital. Second thing is that obviously joining HRM, you're part of a group of like-minded, brilliant people. And I've met so many lovely people over the years and it's a great group to be part of. So if you're looking for something to be part of and to socialize with other people, then this is absolutely it. And then I think probably the third reason is if you're interested in actually going into radio as a full-time career, it's a long shot, of course, because there aren't that many jobs available in radio full stop nowadays, but it's certainly a very good training ground for certainly young or old people. It doesn't need to be uh, to be really young people um, to learn about radio. And there's so much joy in presenting shows as well. So I would absolutely recommend it to everybody. I've done it for, well, way over 35 years now, and it never, ever loses its sparkle. Great. Well, thanks very much for joining us today, Adrian, telling us all about your experience with Hospital Radio Medway. We look forward to hearing your programmes and any future programmes that you may do. Thanks again, Gordon. Thank you for inviting me to come and talk on your show. Um, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks very much, Adrian. Thanks, Cecil. If you'd like to hear more episodes in this series of podcasts, or indeed see our other podcasts, search for our podcast website in your browser, hospitalradiomedway.captivate.com. There's four easy ways to listen to HRM FM. Go to our website at hospitalradiomedway.co.uk and click to listen now. Go to NHS Wi-Fi on your device and find us there. Say, play Hospital Radio Medway to your smart speaker or switch your radio on and go to 87.9 FM, the radio station for the Medway Maritime Hospital. This is HRM FM. HRM Our engineers have been locked away in the engineering bay for the past few months. We were not sure what they were doing until... Here it is, everybody! The world's greatest website! www.hospitalradiomedway.co.uk emerged! Find out all the latest information on your bedside voice. Check out our program schedule. Find out how to become a member. You can even see the faces behind your station. Uh, If you really want to, that is. hospitalradiomedway.co.uk